Welcome back to another episode of NFT Catcher Podcast. We'd like to remind everybody that nothing on the show is meant as financial advice, and to please do your own research. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Now the subject is NFT. They're known as non-fungible tokens, or NFT. NFTs are floating in popularity. This is a technology that will forever change the way people interact. So it is happening whether you understand it and like it or not. This phenomenon is you have now joined Jenny from the Blockchain and Michael Keane on the NFT Catcher Podcast. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the NFT Catcher Podcast with me, Jenny from the Blockchain, and my co-host, Michael Keane. Today's interview, we have Bunchu joining us, co-founder of Forum3 and the DGen Network, um, which you know I'm, I'm sure you guys have all heard of. Uh, but yeah, Bunchu, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. I've obviously been following you guys in the show since the very, very first episode. So very cool to be joining you for an episode. Thank you for having me and just huge congrats to everything you've done with this podcast. It's super awesome. Yeah. You know what? Actually, when we first started this podcast, you just kind of reminded me of this when you said you've been following us since the beginning. When we first started this, you guys had us on your site as like a featured podcast on dgen.network. And I do feel like that helped us like kickstart things and really, you know, kick things off and and get people to start tuning in. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, you uh, game recognized game, I think they say, right? (laughs) I've I've said that before. I'll always say you guys were a huge help getting us. We told us about Buzzsprout and really a lot of, a lot of, really good advice and then actually helping us on the website getting listeners it was really amazing i said that to steve when he was on a couple months ago and always appreciate that love the yeah. network i listen as much as i can i'm all, i was even listening to your brunch with bunch you when you yeah. were doing that so i was like i'm i'm in i love you guys that's awesome appreciate it yeah so this is uh, this is cool coming full circle now 100 percent, 100 percent Cool. So we got to get into how you got into the Web3 space and, and NFTs. Yeah. Tell us your journey. Tell us the beginning. Man, my story is so weird and crazy, right? So I've been um, I've been in the space since 2017. I actually, uh, it was May of 2017, I bought my first Bitcoin and I actually came into the space through sports betting. I was, you know, I've always been a degen at heart, right? So uh, at that time in 2017, when you're trying to, you know, make some sports wagers, your banks were not allowing you to kind of deposit money onto these sites because it wasn't, you know, a regulated thing like it is now with, you know, DraftKings and all these, you know, sanctioned books. You were playing on these kind of offshore sites. And so your banks were restricting them and they all started accepting Bitcoin as deposit. And that was the first time I'd ever kind of really looked into Bitcoin. So at the time, uh, you know, on Coinbase, it was Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum, and that was it. And mm-hmm. crypto Twitter wasn't really even a thing yet at that point either. It was, you got most of your information from from Reddit. And, you know, that's when I first dove in the rabbit hole. And what I would do is like, you know, I'd make my bets for the weekend, I'd pull the money out, and then I would just let it sit in Coinbase. And that was the time of like, number go up all the time. My first Bitcoin purchase was like $1,500 or something. And so I've, you know, I was just looking at these 
numbers. And I was like, oh, I should probably learn about what this stuff is. And so that's when I went really deep down the rabbit hole and uh, never came out. And, and in 2018, I started creating content and podcasts in the space. So uh, my co-host and co-founder at DJ Network Chamber and I have been podcasting together since 2018. We started a crypto-focused podcast originally called Rect Podcast, which was a lot of fun. The origin there was, you know, he tweeted that he was tired of hearing about all these people making money and he wanted to hear people's wrecked stories. So that's how that podcast was came to be. So we used to interview people about, you know, the most wrecked they'd ever been and a really fun time. And eventually that led me to finding, you know, NFTs in late 2018, 2019 was the first time. And it was like this very crazy, very Ponzi type of thing. It was called crypto all-stars. And it was actually somebody had like the ERC 721 standard had kind of really just come out and people were playing with it. And uh, somebody created these like Twitter influencer trading cards, which, you know, when I say that you probably are like, oh, that happened today because that's how Mm -hmm. crypto Twitter is and NFT Twitter is today too. And so, uh, but it was very, it was like the first time it was such a Ponzi type of thing where, you know, it was like, you bought one and it immediately got relisted. And it was just this like crazy game of hot potato. So it was really dumb, but it was the first time I'd really ever kind of seen this unique digital ownership displayed. And it like immediately clicked with me because I'd come from a like physical collecting background, sports cards, memorabilia, things like that. And from there, I just continued making content throughout the years and really just stuck around learning. There was a big bear market similar to like what we're experiencing now in 2019. And when NFTs started really gaining steam in 2020, 2021, we pivoted Rect Podcast into the mint condition, which was, you know, all focused on NFT content. And that's really when things started to get serious for me. You know, the DJ Network started shortly after that when we met Steve, who you guys have interviewed um, a couple, you know, weeks back. And me, him, and Chamber originally started DJ Network. We picked up Captain Zwingli as our kind of fourth co founder there. And during that time, if you remember around kind of March through summer-ish of 2021, Play to Earn Gaming was really, really hot and specifically Axie Infinity. And I was obsessed at the time. And I was tweeting a ton about just what I was doing with Axie and Play to Earn and just kind of like learning in public type of stuff. And Drew Austin, who you may know from in the space, he's yep. co-founder of Knights of Degen, and he's a you know a venture capitalist guy in the space as well. He hit me up on Twitter and he said, "Hey, I'm doing this retreat at my house in upstate New York." He's like, "Here's who's coming, and uh, I'd love if you'd come and talk about play to earn gaming." And I'm like. Uh, me, <laughs> and so uh, you know, I looked at the guest list and I was like, "Man, I do not belong in the same room as these people." And so I was like, "I have to, I have to go to this." I knew I had to go, and I said, "Sure, Drew, I'll be there." What weekend is it? And he's like, "No, no, no, it's Tuesday." I'm like, "Oh my god, don't you guys work?" And you know, he's like, "It is. This is work. This is what we do." I'm like, "All right, I'll be there." And at the time, I was working as a sales manager for a medical company, and I was scheduled to be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania that day. And it was one of those things where you couldn't just call off. You either had to like be dead or not work there anymore. So I chose the latter, and I quit. I quit on the Friday prior and decided 
that's it. I'm going to this thing. And so I went to his house and at his house, I met Adam Brotman. And that night we hit it off and we just talked for about probably six straight hours. And we immediately had this kind of shared similar thesis on NFTs and the technology and what it could be used for and all this stuff. And, you know, the next week we were doing business together and the next month Forum 3 was formed with myself, Adam, and another gentleman named Andy Sack. And the rest is kind of history. So I, I always joke that it's like, the DGen hero arc because you know it's kind of like uh, I was not I I had no you know formal experience in this stuff it was hobby turned passion turned you know taking a a, a risk on myself and I always joke like results atypical don't try this at home don't go hmm. quit your job to try full time it's not the normal pro- progression of how things happen but it's a it's a crazy story and you know very serendipitously uh, it, it's worked out for me that's amazing i was literally going to ask you was adam brotman one of those guests like is that how you guys connected yes. that was actually one of my questions that's an incredible story i mean that took a lot of guts and it and it was just kind of perfect how it worked out for you i love that you know, it's interesting. I I really, I, so I hated, 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 hated that medical sales job that I had. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't like being in that industry. I was traveling three nights a week away from home and it was just a lot. And then COVID hit and I stopped all of the traveling and, you know, because everything got shut down and you yep. did, I didn't realize how much I, I hated it until I stopped doing it. And so when COVID came and I had kind of this free time, all of a sudden, I swore to myself that I would figure out a way to like be on my own and not do that. And so, you know, how I got to that point where I was able to just say, you know, F it, I quit was I really dove into all of these different side hustles and tried to kind of create myself three or four or five different income streams so I could set myself up to be able to do that. And it kind of, it got me there because I was able to confidently say, you know, I I could, I'm good enough where I could fall back on these other things if I, you know, if nothing happens coming from comes from this thing. And so, you know, it was really out of COVID that I kind of got this finally, you know, took that like entrepreneurial type of leap. Um, I always joke that like being in sales is the closest you can get to entrepreneurship without any of the risk, right? And so <laughs> like uh that I I finally was able to get myself to take the risk. But it was it was born out of that inspiration from hating that prior job and having that downtime during COVID. Damn, that is that is a sick story. I yeah, I've never heard your story before either. And I'm just like I love when somebody takes a chance and it works out. You know, it was almost like you were setting yourself up, like you knew something was going to happen and something was going to come. Like, you know, sometimes you have to close a door in order for an- another one to open. And I don't know. I feel like, yeah, it, it, I love, I love hearing people like taking risks that are like just, you're like, oh no, this, this could go real bad or this could go really good. But, um, that's great that it paid off for you. Yeah. And part of that is, you know, you have to have uh, the right support around you. Right. And mm-hmm. and so the, the other crazy part of that story is like my wife is a stay at home mom. We had a six month old at the time and we had just bought a new house. And so like really, I mean, it was her kind of encouraging me to that it was OK to kind of take that leap that really pushed me to do it. You know, I. Uh, there's so many things that change when you're not kind of 
reliant on a company paying your paycheck and your insurance and all of that stuff. And it's just kind of a lot of unknown. And if it wasn't for, you know, her support, I would never have had the the confidence to do it. Yeah. This was in the summer of 21. Yes. So I quit in July of 2020. July. So were you already kind of like, did, did you, you were into, you were into board apes, right? Originally. Yeah. So it's funny. That's actually how I met Steve. So okay. uh, in, in May, when Board Apes minted, there was, you know, you you guys remember where there was all that crazy energy around owning your IP for the first yeah. time. And there was just all of these groups popping up of people that were super excited to like build businesses around their apes and network and communicate in like a way that really had never happened in the space before. And so uh, there was all these like discords popping up and Steven Schiller uh, created this mm-hmm. like board ape incubator discord chat. And and there was a, a whole mess of folks in there now that are, you know, really, I would say prevalent in the space. And that's where Steve and I first connected. And what's crazy about that is, you know, we were talking and we didn't know each other from Adam and we were just we had a lot of similar values and vibes. And we were like, Hey, let's set up a, a zoom call. We had a zoom call and we were like, man, we could really do something together. What do you think we should do? And we had this absolutely revolutionary amazing idea to do merch (laughs) we thought we were going to revolutionize the merch game and it took us two calls to realize hey this is not our strength so Mm -hmm. um from that is kind of how dj network was born because steve was a listener of the mint condition and he's like hey have you guys ever um have you ever like thought about doing something like outside of your show maybe like network style bigger And so happened that, you know, back in 2018, 2019, Chamber and I had kind of tried to do something similar with crypto content creators. And it was called um, CoinHQ. And it kind of started to get off the ground. And then that bear market hit and it it just never did. And so Chamber and I had always had this passion to try to do this. And so out of that and the Board Ape Incubator, that's kind of how DJ Network was born as well. Love that. Yeah, that's dope. I I also, I saw your tweet the other day of... You saying that you've been sober from alcohol for a year now. And I was like, it was a, a multiple tweet thread and I was reading through it and I'm like, damn, this is super inspiring. Um, and my sister is actually coming up on a year of like not drinking alcohol as well. And I've I've done that a few times of going a couple of years without drinking. But yeah, I, I just want to say like mad props to you for for making that decision. And you know, like it that yeah, any anything that you do that like challenges yourself in a way that's like you're something that you're not used to is is usually pans out to be very beneficial. So yeah, I just want to congratulate you on that. Harder than could it, uh, harder than doing the year was putting that thread out because <laughs> it was yeah. like really? why? Because yeah. uh, I don't know, man. It was so uh, you know I'd known that I was coming up on a year and uh, I always thought like okay when I when I hit a year, I'm going to put out this thread, blah, blah, blah. And then it actually comes down to, to writing it and writing it like stressed me out. Right. Like, I'm like, Oh man, am I really going to share this story that no one's ever heard before? And I, I shared it in a way that I thought was like, you know, really painted the picture of, I I tried to make it as emotional as I felt going through it. Right. And so, you know, putting something out there like that is very wrecking. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want, you don't know how people are going to (laughs) respond or whatever. And uh, I'm glad I did because 
it's funny i was sitting there writing it that like that night and uh because i had procrastinated it all day and Mm -hmm. my wife came out and i was sitting on the couch and she's like what what's going on you look stressed and (laughs) i I really was and and so uh, i'm glad i did because quite honestly like more so not for me but it it definitely seems like uh there were a bunch of other people that you know felt the same way that I was going through at that time. And I got a lot of really awesome messages and DMs about, you know, that it resonated with people. And that's really the only, like the real reason I I put it out because I don't write a lot of threads. I kind of only share those kinds of things when I feel like they, I actually have something worth saying that might impact somebody. And I felt like that was important uh, story to share. And um, I think the the most embarrassing part was <laughs> uh, yesterday. I think last night my mom commented on it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, and I was like, I was like, oh god. <laughs> I love that but, she read it though. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, but it's just you know. Like, I'm so yeah. proud of you, son. That's exactly yeah. what it was. But I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh-huh. You know what? It, it it takes a lot of guts to to put you know to share stories that are personal, and yep. I. Um, one of my long-term goals that I'm like, okay, I'll do this in maybe a couple of decades. And my sister was like, yeah, I don't know why you want to do that. That's crazy. But I've been like journaling since I was like, basically like writing in a diary since I was, I don't know, like seven. And I have like dozens of diary entries where it's like, I'm just writing really personal things, like just being super vulnerable. And I I love reading memoirs and stories about other people's journeys and life experiences. And I've always thought it'd be super cool to one day kind of like publish all of my journal entries as a book. And maybe it would have to be like five different books or something. But um, yeah. And my sister's like, why would you want to be that vulnerable and put yourself out there that much? And I'm like, well, it it would be like in the future, like, you know, maybe a couple of decades or if I die, like, I'm like, if I die, can you please just publish all of my, my diary entries? She's like, okay. Sure. As an NFT, um, as an NFT. That's what I said. That's what I was going to say. Put it on NFT, the blockchain. I mean, oh God. All right. That feels even more vulnerable on the blockchain. I don't know. Um, just mint yeah, it as an ordinal and you'll be oh inscribe <laughs> inscribe it. Inscribe it. Uh, yeah, the, inscribe it's it. funny that I, I always think about doing stuff like that for, I have, I have two small kids. I have a a two-year-old and a four-month-old. And I'm always thinking like, you know, with all these new kind of AI tools and things like that, that are coming out and I, you can almost immortalize yourself uh, if, if you're. That's coming for sure. Yeah. Right. And so like, I always think about, Hey, should I, be training these things on my voice or, you know, like as podcasters, right. You have hundreds and hundreds of your voice is out there. You've said everything. Right. You've said everything. Exactly. exactly. And so I've actually thought about doing stuff like that with, you know, AI where you take all the podcasts and you train it on your voice and you can almost kind of encapsulate yourself a little bit. And it's, it's kind of creepy and black mirror ish, but I think it would be, uh, yeah. fun to Wait, do. what would it's, the benefit of doing that be for your children? Or like, well, I guess I don't get so that. So say, say you they die, could talk right? to you. <laughs> yeah, right. And, say you oh, could, shit, honestly, it'll, it'll be a, it'll be a hologram in the room yeah. and it'll answer like that. I need some advice, like life advice. And it'll answer how you would answer. Yeah. You so know? it's like a bunch of GPT. Yeah. Yeah. So that's literally coming like that's the AI stuff I think about a lot. And then I always think about like, 
I, I kind of do the same journal exercise. However, I do it in like writing emails to my kids, right? So I have oh. I have email addresses for them. And so I set a reminder mm. and I write them an email. I've heard about that. Yeah, I've heard yeah, about that. And so I'm like, well, it'd be kind of cool if I like minted these or something like that and, um, you know, put them in a wallet for them. I have their, you know, ENS addresses and everything. So like I could mm-hmm. do something like that. Yeah, so that. yeah, that's what it made me think of when you're talking about that. So I think it's a cool idea. It's really cool. I've thought about that with photos making totally. wallets for them and putting putting photos of them as kids and stuff and big moments people yeah. i think people would like even outside people would be interested in that as like an experiment of you know how to use the technology right like right. it's it really is so cool to demonstrate a lot of this stuff and that's uh all really kind of fascinating to me and then in 200 years your relatives will be able to look back and see them that's that's what I mean. It's like it's yeah, there, and, right, and like right. Wait, to, if you immortalize yourself with AI, like yeah, your great great grandkids will be like, hey, uh, yeah, what, what was, was it like back? Yeah. In, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, hold on, let me grab my iPhone, and they're like, what's uh-huh. an iPhone? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they won't know. Um, okay, we gotta jump into Starbucks, um, which I was literally on the last episode oh, trashing because I'm uh-oh. like anti Star. I'm like. Starbucks is the worst drink. And, and then um, I had some people messaging me. They're like, I like Starbucks. Anyway. Um, That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, yeah. So anyway, we, we got to talk about, and um, Michael was like, oh, we got to talk about Starbucks. Like, yeah. We've so talked about, I, I've honestly brought up Starbucks Odyssey. I've been following it since literally the day it was announced. I remember, I forget who announced it first. And then I went and saw the names. I was like, oh, wow, like who's working on it? And really, really cool. I mean, Starbucks, like doing a loyalty program at a coffee place is a a brilliant idea. But then Starbucks, it's not like it's Latte Larry's or something. You know, it's like (laughs) the biggest one there is. So how are Um, you related to Starbucks? Like what is your part in it? That's a great question. So I'll, I'll start, I guess, back where we kind of started with Forum 3. So... Uh, for those who may not know who Adam Brotman is, as we kind of name dropped him a couple times earlier, uh, Adam has a incredible career um, in the consumer brand loyalty space. He was the former chief digital officer for Starbucks. So his team kind of pioneered the current uh, loyalty program that you may know and the mobile order and pay app, all of that stuff. And so um, he obviously has... A lot. He he worked for Howard Schultz, who's the founder of Starbucks, for you know eight ten years, and so he had a great relationship with Howard. And when we started Forum Three, Howard was not actually the CEO of Starbucks at the time, and so he was just generally interested in what Adam and Forum Three were doing in the Web Three space. And so uh, Adam and Andy you know, had a couple sit downs with him and kind of explained web three and, you know, proverbially red pilling him. And uh, he just thought it was interesting. And so serendipitously, a couple months later, he goes back to be the CEO of Starbucks for an interim term and uh, for the third time. And he kind of tapped Adam on the shoulder and said, hey, like, come back and and do this with us. And Adam, you know, kind of said, hey, uh, let's do it with form three. And so we were super, super uniquely positioned to 
work with Starbucks on this as far as, you know, how we kind of got the account, right? And, um, you know, Adam obviously has super intimate knowledge of how Starbucks operates, things like that. And so again, we were really uh, the natural fit for something like this. And, you know, how it evolved is very interesting. So when we, we, we didn't go in pitching Starbucks Odyssey, right? Like that wasn't a thing. What we did was, you know, we went there, we met with all of their teams, we met with marketing, we met with, um, you know, education, all their cross-functional teams. And really it was education sessions. And it was us explaining, you know, Web3 technology, NFTs, what they could do, how they could best utilize, and then kind of really asking what they afterwards, kind of what they thought and how they thought they could utilize it. And went through all these teams and the loyalty team, which was our hope that they really, really grabbed onto it immediately and saw the value in it. And so that's kind of how this whole thing started. And, you know, just to go like one layer deeper, when we first met with that loyalty team and explained to them kind of what the technology could allow them to do from a loyalty standpoint, they got it so quickly that they their response to us was, we've actually been looking for something like this for a long time. And the reason being is, you know, Starbucks loyalty program has 27 million monthly active users. It's a it's a beast. And, you know, the way their current loyalty program is structured is very transactional. It's very one one way, single player, right? It's very, I'm giving you incremental spend and incremental visits. And what I'm getting in return is stars that equate to essentially discounted product, right? So there's a direct cost associated with anytime you um, do anything in the, inside that loyalty program. So, you know, giving people bonus stars or uh, things like that all have a very true actual cost. And um, they have all this research on what their loyalty customers want. And what they found was it was a lot of things that involved this idea of like unlocked experiences. And to do that in the construct of the current program was too costly, right? And so when we were having these conversations with them, it was how could we use this technology to kind of unlock the intangible brand value that they have and be able to kind of share that with the consumer in a way that's never been done before that isn't just direct discounted product. So that was kind of how this was all born. Uh, what's the reception been like from the general public, the people that are like the regular people that do the loyalty program that are learning about Starbucks Odyssey? Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. I think right now, so the way we launched this thing was, um, you know, in September, the full press release came out and um, they talked about it at their investor day. And on that day, we launched the waitlist and the way, the response to the waitlist was incredible. So um, we had, you know, probably almost a million people sign up for the waitlist. And really, um, yeah, it was, it was it blew away kind of what our initial expectations mm -hmm. were. And so, you know, as we roll this out, we're actually still working through that wait list, right? So mm -hmm. that wait list is, you know, a mixture of different types of folks. There's a lot of kind of web three native people on that wait list. And because, you know, we, we launched that 
waitlist with no outside marketing, like no push marketing to the current loyalty program. And it all came, those waitlist signups all came from press naturally, right? So um, what you have there is a very interesting mix of different kinds of people. So it's not necessarily all Web3. It's not necessarily all, you know, Starbucks legacy loyalty members that have no idea what Web3 is. So there's kind of a really interesting mix of people that are involved in the program right now. And as we kind of slow drip through that waitlist. So I think the the feedback so far has been, I think, overwhelmingly positive from, you know, both the the activation, the rollout, the the approach um, that we're trying to to do here with this. I think it's most of the feedback is that it's thoughtful. It's a good what use case for this technology. And then I think what's really fun is the people who were not Web3 native before kind of understanding for the first time kind of what what digital ownership means. And that's really fun mm-hmm. to see. Um, we've launched a kind of beta Discord community that we have uh, that is really kind of the focal point of of all of our feedback loop that we're getting right now, which is really fun to um, see all the feedback in real time. And so I, I'd say overwhelmingly positive, although, you know, with any program like this, it's beta, it's a slow rollout, there's hiccups, there, we have, there's a lot of interesting things going on with the tech to make this all work. So there's obviously things we got to work through on that side. But otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, I would say so far, it's a pretty big hit. That's amazing. How many people are uh, are like uh, active right now? Not active, but like in that you've let in. So it's still super, super small. So I think we have about twenty thousand people that are mm-hmm. active in it. Um, and you know, like I said, we're still kind of working through that waitlist. It's as we, yeah. as so you we got a waitlist of a million, and you've only onboarded twenty thousand so far. Yeah, I mean, some of that is. So it's a it's a U.S. only program right now. The waitlist wasn't gated to U.S. only oh, people. Oh, gotcha. So, and also, so there's some, some people probably there's probably people botted 500 emails. You know, probably. I know how, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, for sure, for sure. so we're we're actually working through it pretty quickly. However, mm-hmm. yes, it's still we're still on the waitlist. <laughs> yeah, now I hear that. I, I'm in actually because I uh, I told you I was following it literally since day one, and I got let in pretty much right at the beginning. Um, I'm I'm a fool that I didn't go through oh, all the steps no, again. That was my I next know. question. I just got so busy, like, <laughs> but I watch it. Like, I see how well they're all doing. Like, I watch everything. I'm watching the stats. I watched your drop last week. That was incredibly successful. Like the floor prices, whatever it's up to now. Last oh I saw God, it was like five fifty, six hundred. It's like eight hundred and twenty dollars this week. Unbelievable! Wow. And- so that's when you get people that are like. I bought telling their friends, I bought this thing for a hundred bucks from Starbucks and sold it for 800 bucks. Like, you know, and the people that that's really cool, man. Yeah. It's I, interesting. I, it's, yeah. it's like, there's this, the, this is what I meant by the first time people may be experiencing kind of ownership in this way. Right. So there's this really interesting phenomenon that's happening inside of a program like this, where it's kind of what I'm calling like user generated capital, meaning we've built this ecosystem and it's, it's this gamified loyalty layer and Mm -hmm. you come in and you, you do work inside this ecosystem, meaning you watched branded content while it's authentic. It's, it's 
branded content, right? You're you're partaking in these journeys or quests that are very Starbucks focused. And um, it's this really interesting thing where somebody, whether they're a Starbucks super fan or they're just this Web3 native person, you know, they're coming in, they're completing tasks, they're getting rewarded with these these stamps. The stamps will have, um, you know, utility and benefits a lot, uh, tied to them. And so you've got somebody coming in and participating in this ecosystem for the first time, earning this thing that they own that has value intrinsically to either themselves in the program or somebody else in the program because of the benefits tied to it right and for the first time they're experiencing that that shared value of the brand which i think is just really fascinating to watch and um it's something that's really never been done before which i think is really cool it is really cool like i i've said it so much but i think you guys are showing everybody what the future is and doing it with Starbucks, there's going to be companies all over the place that want to do something like it, especially when they see that Starbucks just brought in 200 grand on their first sale, like it was nothing. And that's only with 20,000 people. What about when there is 2 million people and, you know, and they drop something and sell it for 5 million or 10 million. Like that's all, you know, that's a game changer in business. Yeah. And what's really cool about it, right. Is like, the 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 money that Starbucks makes off of it is all great. And that's going to be kind of what other brands look to as, as mm-hmm. the example. But, you know, there's so much value being created for the consumer in it as well. Right. And, it, and it's, it's, it's kind of how we theorized this and, and philosophized of it prior, where when we started form three, we had this thesis about, you know, it, it all circles back to this conversation we had where I was learning about play to earn gaming. And this is what Adam and I were talking about when we first started. Um, and it was mostly about how those economic models at the time were broken and play to earn gaming was broken because the incentives were upside down, right? Like the consumer was the one funding the whole ecosystem, right? They were buying things in the game. They were earning things on that, but it was all extractive because they were just rushing to return on their investment, right? And so we were sitting there and we're thinking about, well, these economic models and the incentive models and the rewards models are very interesting, but the idea that the user funds the ecosystem is the part that's broken. So we thought of it as like, Hey, what if you did this under the umbrella of a brand or sponsorships, right? Where the ecosystem was actually funded by an entity that could, that actually had value intrinsically on its own. And that's where, you know, this concept of, oh, this is perfect for a loyalty program comes in, right? And so what's even more fascinating to me is how a user can now kind of generate value for themselves by interacting with a brand in this way. And that's something that really has never been, that's the thing that's never been done before. And that's fun to watch. Um, It's fun to watch somebody earn something for $20 of spend that turned into Mm -hmm. the holiday cheer stamp. That's now people are buying as a collectible for 1500 bucks. Like that's a really fun thing to watch. And, and they're doing that because it's a collectible that has value because of the brand equity behind it. Right. And, and what Starbucks can do with that brand equity for somebody else, which is fun. I love that. You had said that there's 20,000 wallets involved in this loyalty program. And I just saw a tweet the other day saying that there's only 
50,000 active wallets currently in the space, which I think is like mind blowing. And I'm kind of curious because, you know, you, you started DJ Network 2018. That was a freaking like bear market before things even popped off again. Like obviously 2017 crypto kitties and some other things popped off, but 2018, like I'm sure it was pretty boring then. What's your take on, you know, us being in a bear market now and kind of like how long you think we'll be in this bear market or, you know, any thoughts on this this NFT bear market that we're in? Yeah. So just to, to clarify, DJ Network started in 2021, but we were podcasting oh, like okay, okay, okay. in 2018. And Got so, it. but so that, that part is still applicable, right? So you had in 2018, the same thing happened and it went from about 20. It, it's actually, I mean, I could tell you probably the date almost of the top of the last cycle, which was like the end of December of 2017. Bitcoin hit all time high of like 20K and and it was like down only until uh, that like COVID crash. And that's when I bought December 2017. Yeah. So there you go. And that, that's like <laughs> when Chamber got in too and he bought and they, yeah. he bought the top. Right. And so uh, so, you know, it was like literally down only from then until that day that like the world shut down for COVID and that dropped Bitcoin from like six thousand dollars to thirty five hundred everybody thought it was the end of the world and then it that was like the start of the re that was capitulation that was the start of the rebound right and so but like during that time that so that that time period is 2018 essentially the beginning of 2018 to uh march of 2020 it was actually around this time in 2020 that that happened because i remember because i was supposed to go to march madness the next week and uh it it got canceled. And so that was a full on two years. So if you think about it in the same context, we are definitely a year into this at this point. It may be till the end of this year into next year that it really starts turning around. And I, I actually, I mean, I love that because it really, there's chaos when it's a bull market, right? Everything is noise and it's not like there's a reason that people there's the cliche of like you build in a bear and it's because there's nothing else to kind of distract you right when it's a bull market you're less worried about shipping good product or creating something real and building and you're more focused on okay now is the chance i can take to capitalize on all of this work and and so what i would say is like if you're around now now is the time that you really need to pay attention because what happened in the last bear market was, and you're seeing it here, is people people get disinterested or you see the people that were only here for the short-term money-making opportunity fall off and people stop paying attention. And the people that are around and building this are the ones that get themselves in the position when it all comes back around. And it will all come back around. This stuff is all cyclical. I think, you know, the, it's funny in 2018 i i thought oh i was wrong like i my friends were right i was the crazy one like this was a fad this is a bubble blah 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 and then as you stick around and you see all the work being done and the adoption and things like starbucks pop up and you know amazon and adidas getting in and all of these things and like real companies building now with this technology 
I mean, I'm, I have very strong conviction that we are just in a cycle, right? Like this isn't just a fad. It's not going away. It's the future. So the more you stick around now, the more you pay attention now, the more you build something now, the more you make connections now, you're going to set yourself up for being able to capitalize when all eyes are on us in the next bull run. And it's what happened then. And it's what's going to happen again. Love that. Something's going to kick it off. I, I keep feeling like there's going to be some game that comes out that like blows it out of the water that people have to play. And it's like all the kids are playing it and talking about it. I wonder if it's, if it's is it Dookie Dash part two? Well, I'm hoping <laughs> it's some kind of other side, something for my own, for be. my own well-being. You know, I mean, That's what you I'm know we're about to we're about to potentially see amazon on board 300 million wallets in yeah. a month and a half so we're, we'll see we're, what happens that's there. a possibility that's a possibility um speaking of, well i was actually going to ask about apple this is a really interesting question for me have you guys talked at all about the starbucks odyssey going to an app and does the apple 30 percent play into that have you guys talked about that at all yeah that's a great question um i think so far we haven't explored like Obviously, I think the best experience is, is if this was a native mobile app in the future. It was very hard to build that way initially. Like, so, you know, one of our main goals while building this was that you couldn't, we couldn't interrupt the current loyalty program, right? So it wasn't something that was ever just going to be built into the Starbucks app from, mm -hmm. from day one, like for a million reasons. There's a million reasons you couldn't do that. And so the, Next step is okay. So how do you how do you actually create a user experience that works in a way that is Web three blockchain based, but also a kind of self custody, non crypto native friendly, right? Like that my mm -hmm. mom or my grandmother can use, right? And so our first step was figuring that part out. And then it's like, okay, well, how do you, so it was, so right now it's a mobile responsive web app. And so the next step is after we get all those kinks worked out, how does this look as a mobile app in the future? The Apple conversation is super interesting. We haven't really dove too deep into it from a the 30% rule because we, uh, I mean, we just literally haven't gotten that far yet down the down the road. But Starbucks has a very good relationship with Apple from that standpoint. So it'll be interesting to see if and when that time comes, how they handle that. And I, I honestly, I don't have a, enough insight on there to mm -hmm. to know one way or another. But it it's a fascinating thing because you see, you keep seeing Apple kind of tighten the the strings on the crypto stuff, right? And uh, the 30% thing and selling NFTs. And there's some things, it, it almost seems like they're picking and choosing a little bit on where to allow and where not to. Um, so it'll be fascinating. Like what was the last thing? It was, it was the Coinbase wallet. Was that it? That they. Yeah. That they, they had a problem with that one, right? Yeah. Where they yeah. just like, where they really clamped down on uh, mm -hmm. the fees and everything like that. And they were saying that every transaction was uh, 30 percentable at that point. And so like they shut down the app for a while or whatever. It was crazy. So, I mean, I don't know. At, at some point, you would think Apple gets themselves into the game in one way or another, right? And Of course and they will. It'll yeah. be fascinating to see how that plays into the whole the whole thing.
you know, it might be Amazon that gives them the kick in the butt. Who knows? <laughs> right. So then you guys did choose Nifty Gateway, which is actually, you know, it took me a minute to try and figure out why, but it actually makes a lot of sense because Nifty will self-custody your Polygon NFTs and you can take them off if you want. Correct. And so, so yeah, yeah. P- part of that decision also is um, one of the things that we thought was super, super important to have at launch Remember, we're talking about potentially not now. We've got twenty thousand, but like in the future, you could have millions of people potentially right. using this a day, right? And so, part of that experience of onboarding somebody into an experience that is user friendly enough that they don't need to know how to use crypto, they don't need to know that it's blockchain based. That means that we need to provide them all of the tools, meaning that they don't need the wallet, but they also have a place to transact. So we couldn't, we didn't feel like it was right to just kind of onboard people in this kind of web two and a half way and send them all to OpenSea, right? Because you still have to learn how to use all of those tools that you may not be comfortable with and and things like that. And so part of the reason on top of the, you know, kind of custody, self-custody hybrid, was the fact that Nifty Gateway could white label their marketplace for us. And so um, that was part of of that decision as well. And then, you know, when you think of of trusted partners, um, Gemini having, ba- obviously they've had some issues with the banking stuff uh, that's happened since then, but like, you know, Gemini being that New York state trust company and all of that backing Nifty Gateway, like all of that played into... Um, the decision as well, but mostly it was, you know, that custody aspect and the marketplace aspect, because we felt that the marketplace was so super important to giving the the full experience. That actually fits really well because, you know, like you said, you can't just set an open seat. You can't have people getting scammed. That'll right. shut down the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, so totally. it actually works really well. Um, and, you know, uh, of course, there's going to be growing pains with that right like yeah. we're we're taking what's crazy is like we're taking this i i jokingly call it a mullet platform you got web two in the front web three in the back right and it's like so you're taking this hybrid thing uh that you're creating this really the mullet platform i like yeah. that, I like that. That's <laughs> you good. got this i i think i'm gonna patent that because i said you it might, at you, a, you need to do well now you need to do it before the episode goes live i well it's funny i i said <laughs> it uh i said it on my panel at ces when i talked and like okay. 10 people 10 people came out they really uh, like that yeah, that's yeah a good 10 one. people came up to me and like at, like said that they loved it and then i i actually said it on another podcast i was on and the dude loved it so much that he launched a mullet punks derivative the next day <laughs> and I was like, wow i was like that's great so the um but yeah the so like there's this crazy thing going on where you've got kind of this web two front end talking to this web three back end all at the same time. And it's all connected at at the same time to your Starbucks rewards account that needs to interact in real time with your transaction. Right. So there's a lot going on there. And, you know, what's cool is that the program, you know, when you log into Odyssey, you're, you're using the same login as your normal Starbucks app, right. Your normal Starbucks rewards thing, which means that anything you do in store, any transactions you do can talk directly to Odyssey, which is really fun. So you can do a lot of these really cool kind of, um, you know, digital slash physical type of 
quests or journeys, right? So um, a lot of really cool things going on there. But my point is a lot of growing pains too, because it's uh, it's a lot of intricate talking points from each of these points. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean for sure. You mentioned growing pains a couple of times. What's been the biggest challenge? I think part of it is is that, right? You've got three different systems all talking to each other that aren't necessarily naturally supposed to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we have uh when we had that drop last week, you know, it was it was overloaded. And, you know, while we thought we were we had enough uh infrastructure, you know, the demand far outweighed what we were what we were ready for. And it, it's not that it couldn't handle it, it was because of the you know, how they, how the whole system talks to each other and it needs to work like this. And, um, so, you know, I would say just things like that are the biggest kind of beta pains and like things you remember, things you remember from being in the top shot beta, like all those things happen with every beta, you know what I mean? Like all of those same things. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Isn't top shot shot still in beta? Top shot is still in beta. Yes. (laughs) Top shot is forever in beta. They will never be leaving beta. Um, That's like the ongoing thing that everyone says. We do have to wrap this up because I do have to wake up super, super early. I'm driving to Nashville tomorrow. Um, So we got to try to keep it at an hour, but Hey, if Michael, you find it, if you find my yeah, teeth yeah. in the street of Nashville, well, you're with the, your for te- oh, from the three thread. Oh no! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god! I'm gonna sell it. I'm gonna sell it. It's gonna be worth a lot of money. <laughs> it's a collectible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, I got a, I got a couple quick rapid fires. Uh, is your banner Sarah script on Twitter? Yeah, uh, it, it is. It That's is. what's up. We love Sarah. I love Sarah. It I is. saw it earlier today. I bought um, uh I bought her open edition piece to support Sarah and uh she made a bunch of us like the one of one banners, which is really oh, cool. Wow. So it is. That. yeah. I love that. I love that. Sarah's amazing. We had her on also. Um yeah, she's awesome. What what's next for forum three? Are you guys kind of sticking with Starbucks? Are you guys trying to move on to like do other companies as yep. well? That's a great question. So uh, obviously off of Starbucks, we've gotten a ton of inbound from the consulting standpoint. And so uh, we've got a couple, I would say, large clients that are as recognizable um, as wow. Starbucks. And Good for you guys. You guys are going to smash yeah, this, dude. That's thank awesome. You. But that, I'm sorry, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off. But. No, the, I appreciate it. And and yeah. uh, so that's really exciting. However, you know, I think long-term, we don't see ourselves as a consulting agency i think so we have kind of the consulting side and then we also have aspirations of building our own kind of product slash platform um mm-hmm. because i think you know the special sauce of of odyssey right now is this concept of these user journeys and so we want to take that concept that we're kind of coining experiential loyalty and box and package that for anybody to be able to use, whether that's other brands, small, medium, large, or content creators to create programs like this, things like that. And I think we're taking a really unique approach to it. If, if you've seen, you know, kind of the whole complete package of Odyssey, where it's these this, you know, really interesting platform mixed with community, mixed with, um, you know, storytelling. And that's kind of what we're going to be looking to build in a product as well. So I think you'll see a little more consulting from us. I think you'll see kind of some education and things like that coming from us. And then uh, we have aspirations of building that platform as well. 
That's incredible. You guys have your own tech team? Yeah, we well, <laughs> yeah, we do now. We didn't mm-hmm. we didn't at the time. <laughs> was, mm-hmm. Uh and we do now. So we actually um raised some money on uh like right right when Starbucks Odyssey was releasing and we've hired a head of product from Microsoft. Her name is Mav. She's a rock star. We have a, a engineer or two now, which is fun. So we're actually able to kind of build some stuff um and we're excited to do that. Dude, that's incredible, man. DJ Network Forum 3, like Forum 3 is, I guess I could, as soon as I heard about it and saw that it was Starbucks and saw the names, I was just like, that was one. That I just knew that it was like, it was a bullseye. And that's, your story's awesome. What you're doing yeah, is I'm awesome. You're, lucky, you're at the head of something really cool. There's <laughs> um, a, you know, you're lucky, but you took the chance to do something. There's, there's, you know, there's luck. There's whatever it is. Luck's the, the intersection of being prepared and taking a chance. I don't know. I don't even know what it is. What when, it, prop, preparation, when preparation, preparation, yeah, yeah, preparation yeah. opportunity, that's what it is. whatever it is, you did it. And uh, it's really awesome to see my only last and final question before we'll let Jenny get ready for her long drive tomorrow. I, I like to let people shout out any artists or other projects that you think deserve kind of a shining light. I put people on the spot with that one. Some people kind of know who they want to say, and some people hesitate a little bit. But if you have anybody. I'm going off the board here. I'm going unknown, relatively unknown artists. Uh, So I've been personally personally getting into uh, um, AI art myself. And so- Yeah, I've been like crushing mid-journey. I've been getting so into it. And I want to shout out the person that inspired me to get into it. And um, you guys might know her. It's it's Vicky. Vicky. Yep, it's yep, Vicky. Yep. And Vicky is oh my phenomenal. God, yes. Everyone she, should check I, out. I Vicky. right click saved one of her. Um, yeah, I think I made it my screensaver. I was like, this that's amazing. Way too cool. And it's, yeah, it's so, Vicky J. Vicky J. On Twitter at Vicky J. Eth. Yes, and she's yep. she's phenomenal, and she. Obviously, she's an awesome AI artist, and she, more importantly, is the one that inspired me to get into it. And um, she's been doing a lot of really great stuff in the space with, uh, you know, she does a a daily AI Twitter space now at 11 o'clock in the morning, East Coast Mm -hmm. time. And, you know, she's just been an inspiration to me. And uh, I just want to support her wherever. So if you haven't seen Vicky or or if you haven't interacted with her, she's amazing. So check her out. Love that. That's a good one. I'm a fan of Vicky too, for sure. She seems really cool. I've seen her in a lot of the spaces. I've been in her room a few times. And she's hilarious. So and she has an ice cream shop that and she has an ice cream shop. Really? She features a bunch of like board apes and NFT. Yeah. And she's got a famous mutant. Where's that at? Uh, In England or something? No, she's Uh, in Florida, actually. What where the, I'm in Florida. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, she's in Florida. I don't know exactly where in Florida. Really? It's a it's some sort of spring break destination because she always tells me that uh her spring break is terrible. So um. oh my god. Let's <laughs> see. I'm gonna go to her link tree, see if she's got it there. Nope. Why did I think I'll England? What the heck? Well, she's you know, she's got the accent. She's so British, probably, yeah, yeah. She has <laughs> the accent. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So then I just assumed. Okay, well, there we go. Bunchu, thank you so much for joining us coming on. I feel like this flew by honestly. Uh, it really did. Yeah. I couldn't believe it's been an hour already. So thank you guys so much. I would I'd love to come back anytime. This was so much fun. We yes. will do it again, man. Awesome. Thank All you. Right. Really. Yes, with that said, thank you for everybody who tuned into this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. 
and we will catch you in the next one. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to the NFT Catcher Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about the exciting world of NFTs. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really love what you're hearing, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite platform. If you want to stay up to date with the latest news and insights from the NFT space, be sure to follow us on all the socials at NFT Catcher Pod. You can follow Jennifer at Jennifer underscore pseudo and Michael at NF Ticket. I'm your producer, Andy, and I'm at AJC254. Our theme songs by It's Just Los. We always appreciate your feedback and support, which helps us reach more people and bring you informative and engaging content about NFTs. We look forward to bringing you more great NFT content in future episodes. Thanks for listening. Peace. Show